Welcome to Fires on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and come to me via telephone is Roy. Boy, things were so different a year ago. We were sitting in the lobby of the Hyatt, Dude, surrounded was... by more baseball people than I've ever seen in my life. I was in deep, deep water last year at this time. Oh, my God. I was... You know, I can. I, I have a good poker face. I don't play cards, man, but I can just act like I belong when inside I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, and the funny thing is, I'll just say this, like, my biggest, like, moment in the whole thing was I listened to the, the show before the show podcast. And w- with all the stuff that's going to happen with minor league baseball, we're going to have Sam Dykstra on here uh, pretty soon. But I was more... Nervous to say, hey, Sam, Donovan Jones, Friars on the Farm, than I was to like walk by, you know, Kevin Acey or, you know, anyone else, like Sam Miller or whoever. But um, yeah, it's a lot different now. We're all in our homes, safe and sound. Yeah, one of the first things that we saw at the winter meetings last year, uh, the the uh, Hall of Fame, um, I, don't, I don't know what the committee's called, but they had elected Ted Simmons yeah. uh, into the Hall of Fame and they had his press conference. And the passing of Dick Allen this week uh, kind of brought that into focus because they decided not to have that election. And a lot of people think that they would have selected Dick Allen. He would have heard his name called on Sunday. And then yesterday on Monday would have been that, that press conference. Um, so it's, you know, you a, a great player that didn't get a fair shake because of all of the environment going on around him. Um, Anybody that isn't familiar with his story, I definitely recommend reading into it uh, because it's really interesting. He's one of these guys that you have to wonder how, how would his career have gone if he hadn't been in such a toxic social environment just because of the time that he was in and, and his, people praise Jackie Robinson for being able to hear all this stuff and to take it and perform. Dick Allen wasn't that guy. He, he, he internalized a lot of it and it really tore him apart and it affected him as a person. Um, but anyway, thinking of, about seeing Ted Simmons up there talking to the press, um, yeah. And then reading about Dick Allen, it just kind of got me thinking, it put things into perspective a little bit for me. I was, that was cool. I was at that press conference. I, I, I foolishly put my setup right in front of the stage which at the Hyatt is the place with no Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> like I couldn't get internet to save my life, and it took me a few days to figure that out. But I was there when they when they introduced that, and uh, it was fantastic. And this year the winter meetings are done via Skype and texting. But anyways, let's talk about Bobby Dickerson. Yeah, so we've got a few things to touch on here before we feed into our interview with AJ Casavell. Uh, but. Scott Miller um, wrote a great article in Baseball America, uh, and they selected Bobby Dickerson as their 2020 Coach of the Year. Um, And so we've got some quotes here, but because we ran long with AJ, I'm going to skip through it. But the point is that Bobby Dickerson came to a new team, made an immediate impact on the guys, both from a personality environment, like a a culture standpoint, but also discipline, um, teaching them, getting them back to fundamentals. We saw the work that he put in with Eric Hosmer and all those guys in spring training, and it really showed. But what we didn't see was after spring training, he had a heart attack. He was out on the field at Petco Park uh, hitting fungos to the guys, and he wasn't feeling right. Somebody insisted that he go to the hospital, and it turns out he had a heart attack, had to have emergency surgery, and then came back 
to be a you know fully functioning coach. He had limitations on diet and sleep and all that other stuff, uh, but did a fantastic job for the team. I mean, what an amazing story for Bobby Dickerson. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, <laughs> just you know we were talking about it a little bit with AJ, but just you know bringing him onto our staff and and coaches. You, you never know really how much, the, you know, especially for the Padre fans, it's like the hitting coach is like the the keyboard player for the Grateful Dead. Like, you don't know how long he's going to live. Um, and, and bringing in Bobby Dickerson and bringing in uh, Wayne Kirby um, to just connect with these, you know, not only superstars, but the budding superstars in players like Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, really shows you how much of an effect they do have on, on the players and how, uh, you know, how... It, connection with a player a coach can improve the team you know by just getting him to practice practice for sure so the conclusion of the winter meetings is usually marked by the rule five draft that happens on thursday december 10th this year um and it sounds like the padres are likely to lose some players whether it's in the major league phase or the minor league phase uh there were some articles coming out where they're throwing a bunch of names out and analyzing different guys uh but i thought it was interesting to see who was highlighted uh daris valdez and lake bakar are a couple of pitchers that have drawn some attention uh jonathan mayo had his article and he highlighted friend of the podcast jordan guerrero yeah and i remember real quick last year um his agent that I talked to for the podcast and we had him on um, talked about maybe Jordan Guerrero going to the rule five last year. And I even went so as far as the tweeting it saying, yeah, even a podcast guy gets information. And obviously he <laughs> didn't, he didn't get picked, but super sweet guy, hard thrower, you know, and to go on with Lake Bakker, he had a great season in, in, uh, in double a last year. Right. And Lake Bakker is one of these guys that can start. He can relieve, yeah. uh, you know, he's a righty, he's fastball slider kind of guy. It, there's, there's a lot of people that have that similar kind of profile, but his ability to handle different roles and succeed in all of them, I can see why a team might look at him and decide to take a flyer on him. Yeah. Give him another year in development. It's someone like that and Guerrero and Valdez, you know, Valdez, we've seen him pitch. It's like a bullet, but sometimes oh, yeah. you, but you, without a sight. <laughs> yeah. Both of those two Guerrero and Valdez can both touch a hundred miles an hour. And Valdez is six foot eight and he's such a long slender guy. It looks like he's getting rid of the ball right in front of your face. <laughs> so that's gotta be intimidating to face. So I, we're, we're always, I, I don't want to see anybody leave the organization. No. I want to keep everybody, but at the same time, if somebody moves on to an opportunity where they have a chance to succeed, uh, like Travis Radke, how he, left the organization, got picked up by the Diamondbacks briefly. Now he's playing in the Dominican Winter League, and, and I'm, I'm a fan of the player, the person, and yeah. I want to see him get a chance to break through. So hopefully he can keep crushing it in the Dominican and get an opportunity in the, in the big leagues next year. Absolutely. He had a good, he had a good uh, outing last night. He has done really well, um, and we've texted with him a little bit on, on Twitter, and he's given us some insight into how – you know, he's with Escudijo, which is one of the tougher teams, he said, when it comes to restrictions and in following protocols for COVID. I need to say this before we move on. My computer is going to die here in a few minutes. But it was interesting, He, you know, and where he said they're, they're very strict. Um, also, you know, with the protocols, there's not a lot of resources to stay healthy, to work out, to, uh, you know, to kind of stay in uh, in shape. So it's... You know, he's getting his name out there. Same thing with the Padres that are down there and, and Stephen Wilson. Um, and in terms of staying healthy, probably diet, maybe even struggling a little bit with diet. 
Well, it's a it's a it's a life experience that's going to round him you know, down the road as well. Um, Steven Wilson is also playing on Escodijo and Escojito, and they're both having really good debuts to their, uh, their Dominican career. So last note here, before we move on to AJ Casavell, um, baseball America published their articles about the 2020 free test awards and the El Paso Chihuahua was won the triple a award. And this is an award that is given to an organization that gives to their community that supports their community. Um, and this year, everything was so unusual that minor league teams weren't able to do their normal operations. So it's remarkable. A, a lot of teams had to pivot to try to find a way to have business opportunities. Yeah. It looks like the Chihuahuas didn't really look for that so much as just ways that they can get involved with their community. So I'd like to read a little bit of what the write-up says. Do it. The Chihuahuas stood up, pivoting amid the, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and using a lost season to still make an impact in the El Paso community. The Chihuahuas are the recipient of the AAA Freitas Award, which recognizes the top overall operation at each level of the minor leagues. The Chihuahuas and their employees have worked this year with nonprofit organizations in the El Paso community that have been devastated by the financial impact of the pandemic. And it's worth noting that El Paso has been hit particularly hard, hard by this. According to a team spokesperson, employees have provided more than a thousand hours of cumulative support to 27 different organizations, including the El Pasoans Fighting Hunger Food Bank, United Way, Border RAC, Coalition for the Homeless, and Kelly Center for Hunger Relief. Employees have given help in the form of delivering food to veterans and people without housing. They've also lent support in areas like marketing, sales, website design, and videography, crucial elements for these nonprofit organizations to be able to connect with the broader community. That the Chihuahuas were able to pivot so efficiently is a credit to the organization's ownership. Despite the pandemic, the organization kept its entire staff intact without furloughs or layoffs. That's huge. You know, and I think last year they also won the same kind of award, like being a community leader uh, last year, uh, highlighting, I think they had like the the, reading, a, a reading you know, yeah, kind of like a, a reading program. They also did right. the, the dentist for, um, for, you know, because El Paso was not a wealthy city. A lot, you know, it's a border town. So there's a lot of lower income and less fortunate um, members of their community. And they held like a big dentist thing where I think they treated like, I can't remember the numbers, but it was in the hundreds where they were treating people without, um, w- with the types of work that was done. Uh, the people that didn't have insurance that were able to get work done. And just that's what I love about. I, and I hope when they come out with the plan, the 120 plan tomorrow, that the Chihuahua State of the Padres affiliate, because there's just, they're a community leader. Not only is it a great organization for the team, but a great organization for the community. And that's what we talk about all the time with, with the loss of some of the teams that we are going to lose that, they're not only just baseball and entertainment, they're community leaders. They are a resource for a lot of these communities for, for stuff. So it's um it's fantastic to hear that. Shout out to the Chihuahuas. And oh my god, I can't it's it's late in the evening. Um cue the Paul Simon. Chico. Shout out to Chico. You're hanging out with Julio down by the schoolyard? You're right, pretty much. And with that, <laughs> with that, we're gonna throw it out to our interview with Edge Castival. Hey, we're joined here with AJ Castavale, ML beat writer for the Padres. AJ, it's been a long time since you've come on the podcast. And I think last time you, we had you 
at um, Iron Smith. What was the Ale Smith? Ale Smith. We had you at the uh, live pod at Ale Smith. We're like, uh, you know, you, like five people showed up, including both our wives. So <laughs> we appreciate you having that, come on. That that's not true. That was a fun setting. I had a great time that night. I had a great time seeing everyone during the off season, and I would. What I wouldn't give to have a have another group podcast at Alesmith and be around other people as opposed to doing this on the phone. So uh, you're selling yourself short. That podcast was a great time. I had a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to this one, even though uh, we set a high bar last time. We did. And it was real fun, too. I think we bought you a bunch of beers and got you drunk. Well, that was after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, crazy times right now. What what like what? How's your pandemic been going? strange like everyone else's uh there's there i mean there's there's not a whole lot to say other than it's just uh, there's a desire for more normalcy while also an understanding that like normalcy isn't where we should be headed right at this instant and so it's it's to be frank it sucks and it sucks for a lot of people and for a lot of different reasons whether health-wise or financially but i mean you you make the most of what you can do with what you have and that's what we that's what i tried to do on padres coverage this season that's what i try to do in in my own life and so i mean it's it's been rough but it's also been i mean it is what it is and we're all here we're all in it together yeah absolutely so the the winter meetings would are in session right now a year ago we had thousands of people down there at the hyatt uh, you would, I would imagine this time of year, you'd be making plans to go back East to visit family. Um, what's this time of year typically like for you and how's it different right now? I, the winter meetings are honestly, I, I didn't think I'd feel this way until we had a winter without them, but they're a pretty important part of my job in terms of just seeing people in the front office who I don't get to see all year or scouts or whoever agents, um, it, it makes the job a little bit more difficult off season wise. Granted this off season is a strange one. So things aren't going to happen the way they normally happen. And so I don't know what insight I would be gleaning now if I had access to all of those people, given that, that things might be moving a little slower and there's a little more uncertainty. Um, but I, I would be, I mean, I would be in Texas this week and probably I, I, I I'd be reporting on whatever Padres news was going on. Who knows what would be different in a in a more normal non-pandemic world. And then I usually use the winter meetings as a springboard into going back east, like you said, to visit family. And so um, that's that's how my my year usually unfolds. This year, obviously, a little different. But uh, I yeah, that's that that's one thing that kind of struck me today was uh, was uh, the winter meetings were just a part of my job always. And right. today it, it was strange because. I never looked at them in a, in a, Oh, I really love these winter meetings or I really don't like them. But all of a sudden today and the, when the winter meetings are starting and we're not there and, and you kind of miss them. God, you're just more evidence of, you know, the continuation of just 2020. It's so 2020. I can't wait till next year when it's going to be like, God, that's so 2020 to happen like that. Um, I hope we can look back at it a year from now and the, everything's back to normal, but uh, I don't know. So he, I, we saw you shredding on on Twitter after the election. Have you been able to practice any more guitar <laughs> at home? You starting a band? Yeah, that, that was on that was on Instagram. I try not to put my uh, I try not to put my guitar skills on, the, on display on Twitter. I, I, Twitter is not the most positive place. So so for things like that, I go to Instagram. But uh, uh, yeah, I've, that's that's actually been one of like I think we all have those little things that we've done uh, because we've all had a little more free time to do free time to do new things and i so it's not a new thing like i've been playing music for 
15 years, but I have played it a whole lot more during the pandemic without much else to do. You guys watching any shows? Yeah, not, we haven't really watched any, we haven't really been watching any new shows to be honest. Like I think what's, there's so much going on and there's so much on our, on our minds. I think that like the best way to escape is by watching, rewatching a bunch of old shows. All right. So we watch, yes, comfort shows are just shows that you like, that you don't need to be paying attention to every second or every minute of what's going on. We did watch Sons of Anarchy for the first time way back at the beginning of the pandemic, but I, I just got done with uh, Office rewatch and a Sopranos rewatch and uh, shoot, what else? I don't know. There's there's BoJack Horseman. Um, so th- those those are the most recent ones. But I mean, like everyone else, there's been more free time, and so I I've chosen to fill it by not expanding my horizons, but by uh, <laughs> but but by going into a cocoon of where I've been in the past. God, you know. So when you say a rewatch, you talking about rewatching the entire series start to finish? Yeah, and not in a bingey way, just over a just over a, like a long period of time. Now some of those shows I think lend themselves to to binging, but like I, for me, like I, if I were to get into a new show, and there's a few shows out there that I that I would love to watch, like I've never seen The Wire, and that's high up on my list. But I also know that if I watch The Wire. I'm probably going to watch The Wire for ten hours a day, and I don't have ten hours a day to do that. So I need to watch. I need to watch shows that I can that I can watch and then turn off because I know what's coming next. Oh, uh, that's that's our AJ man. Everything in moderation. Speaking of mo- speaking <laughs> of moderation, you know, with the winning winnings going on, the Padres signed uh, outfielder Brian O'Grady today to a major league contract. What can you- yeah, that's a. Uh- that's that's the latest and that's not i'm sure that's not like that's not the the big move that padre fans were hoping for but it it does fill a void i think that that they were left with uh over the summer when they traded taylor trammell josh naylor franchi cordero all of a sudden like you 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 need that lefty hitting outfield bat with some kind of athleticism some versatility like it's it's not necessarily there at the upper levels of your system and so brian o'grady has minor league options. He's on a major league contract. He, he fills out the 40 man roster. So it's now full, but it's just, I think it's one of those value moves at the back end of the roster that the Padres didn't have. They didn't have that guy. And now they have that guy. I, I don't know why I was expecting to see somebody more veteran, like a Kevin Millar or a Cameron Mabin or somebody kind of at the, at the tail end of their career, fill that role. Uh, I'm surprised that they picked up somebody who only has a few dozen major league um, at bats, but they must have some info on him. Yeah, it sounds from from what I've and I'm only a couple hours into my reporting on this, but from what I've heard from a couple people, they like his kind of his 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 at bats plus his power potential. I think in his last minor league season, which was 2019, because he was at the alternate site for Tampa Bay in 2020, uh, he hit 28 home runs, which had doubled I think his previous career high. So there was some there was a little bit of a power surge, and there was there's some speed there, and so he does a lot of he does a lot of things pretty well. And the Padres are kind of banking on that. On top of that, he hits right-handed pitching really well. And so the Padres are kind of banking on that to be a useful bench piece. And I think lefties who hit righties who are solid athletically in the outfield and can play center field, like those are, those are valuable pieces that, I mean, even if it's just a bench piece, that's, that's a guy you want on your team. And that's what it sounds like the Padres were aiming for. So what does that, what does that kind of spell for the Padres re-signing Jerickson Profar? That's a good question. I don't think it puts too much of a dent. In, like, I don't think it changes a whole lot on that front. I think there there's still interest there, but Jerkson Profar, Jerkson Profar is the kind of guy who's an interesting piece for 30 teams because he can play so many positions that like every single team in baseball 
would be better by adding Jerks and Profar because if if you don't need a left fielder and you need a second baseman or a first baseman or I mean even a shortstop, I mean he, he can do so many different things that he'll help you. And so if I had to guess, I think his price tag might be higher than what the Padres want, but that also probably doesn't have anything to do with uh with the Brian O'Grady signing today. Like the Padres would right. potentially still be interested in Jerks Profar. They need they need more bench pieces. Their bench is not what it is right now is not the complete article. They they lost their bench was really good, I think, uh, going in the playoffs last season, but they've lost Moreland, Castro, Profar, and Greg Garcia. And so you're not going to – you need to you need to replace it with more than just Brian O'Grady. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that the 40-man roster is full, and you also brought up options on Brian O'Grady. There are some guys that are out of options, Greg Allen, Jorge Mateo, um, uh, um, Javi Guerra, uh, do you foresee some trades happening soon? What do you see anything in the tea leaves on on what you think might happen? Yeah, I think those. I mean, those are all guys that are guys to watch because when when you get to this point in your roster crunch and it's full and 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 the Padres, the fringes of the Padres roster, like they're, they're going to want guys who have options and who who they can have some flexibility with, and so you keep an eye on those guys and potential trades, and and the Padres want to get something back because all three of those guys are are valuable. But I also think that those guys could be worthwhile bench pieces, and so I don't I don't really know where the Padres are leaning. But what I would say is they have a full forty man roster, and their roster is not complete. They need to add guys, and so yes, you're always on the lookout for for trades because you don't want to lose valuable pieces for nothing. Do you have any inside info on Friday's Rule Five draft? I have no inside info whatsoever. Every year, I uh, I always try and pick the brains of uh, various Padres people and, and get nothing at the at the winter meetings. And so this year, I get even less because there <laughs> there are no winter meetings. But I will say is, I mean, it's 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 different because the Padres are the the team with with the guys available now. I don't. They're not gonna. They're they have a full forty man roster. So as things stand, they literally can't draft anyone in the rule right. five draft. And right. so it is different from, from where things stood on years past and on the last day of the winter meetings. Well, wow. so hey, we got a little ahead of ourselves. I want to go back to last year and how, how kind of the whole season played out with how you covered the team. Um, how'd it go? What did you do? Did you, you obviously didn't travel with the team, did you, or did you stay at Petco? Um, did you have your own suite? Did they put you up? How'd that go? So when the budgets were at home, I was at I was at Petco and I was just in my normal, I was in my actual same seat. They had to re uh, redo the press box and move some seats around, but I actually got my same seat and then we had to be socially distant and, and whatever. And there were only, there were significantly fewer people allowed in there. Um, but so for home games, it was, you know, it was nothing like normal, Wow. but in terms of covering the game, like I sat in my normal seat and I watched the game and I covered it. Now, obviously couldn't talk there's there's no need there's no reason to get there early so i i showed up 20 minutes before the game whereas usually i'd I'd be talking with people i'd be going in the clubhouse i'd be hanging out on the field talking to people that i could talk to this year there was there was no no reason to do any of that and so i i showed up i showed up to games at 5 40 after writing my pre i do all my work pre-game from home and so definitely a strange year covering games at home on the road stranger because i didn't travel with the team um I learned I would have traveled with the team had they made the World Series. I would have gone to Texas, but um, uh, obviously I didn't get to do that. So it was it was just extremely strange. The, fortunately, the Padres were good enough to they, they were they were good at, at getting getting us who we needed to talk to on Zoom. But I mean, even in those settings, it's just different than it is being in a clubhouse. And so you gotta. I mean, I still have a job to do, and I still have to report on what's happening day to day and 
you try and make do with what you have while understanding that these aren't, they're not ideal circumstances for anyone. Right. And right. I think everyone kind of understood that, you know, and so for the road games, the, I know the broadcast team, they had different angles and all that stuff. They were at the actual ballpark uh, with all the monitors in front of them. Did you just watch the games from home? Yeah, I just watched the games from home. I had a, um, the, the instant feed, so there was no, no delay. Um, and I'll be set up, set us up with that. But other than that, um, I was just watching the game like essentially everyone else and and reporting off that both, both beforehand and after. Nice. What's the login to that Insta feed? <laughs> I honestly don't even know. It's probably just I, I don't even think I tried to put in a password. So it's probably just my my uh, my account password. You're not missing much. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> okay, so typically uh, in a in a normal year, you travel with the team, right? You're on the bus. You're on the plane uh, when no, they're no, on no, the road. I, I'll travel um, separately, so I'll just fly to I, I'll fly wherever they are on the day of the game or yeah. the day of the first game of the series, and then I'll fly to the next city or wherever else afterward. And so usually I don't I don't travel with the team or with the on the bus or on the team plane. I'll I'll go to probably if this so say they have four or five away series a month. I'm usually at probably about probably three of them, and then we have different people in the other cities who will who will fill in for me when I'm not there. Okay. Well, so you've done this for several years. I'm sure you've, you've gotten to know people at all the different ballparks. You have your habits on where you like to go. What are some of the things that you missed about not traveling for work this year? Oh man. I mean, that's honestly one of my favorite, it's maybe my favorite part of the job. I mean, obviously I love watching baseball, but being in different cities kind of honestly, no matter where I am, even if it's, even if it's not my favorite city, it's just kind of cool to, to experience new things. The, the thing I miss the most is probably, uh, the way the travel intersects with seeing random family members or friends around the country. Um, and so like if the Padres are playing in, when the Padres are playing in Pittsburgh and my brother was at Pitt, I'd see my brother for three days. And when the Padres are in New York, I see my sister and it's like, that's, that's cool yeah. that I, that as part of my job, like during the day I get together with them and I get to hang out and, and see people who mean a lot to me. And even on top of that, like the travel part is even when I'm going to a city without, without uh, like someone I'm, I'm seeing it's, it's a, it's a really cool, like the day to day of a, of a, of a season is, a, is a fun routine mm-hmm. that I came to love, like wake up, go somewhere to have, breakfast and coffee and start like reading and starting on that day's work. And it's like, I, I think I miss just, just that part of it the most being in other places, either around other people or getting to getting to experience new things. The glamorous so I imagine, of a beat writer. That's awesome. So I imagine you see the same ushers, the same vendors, the same like attendants, um, you know, other broadcasts and journalists. Are there people that, that stand out to you in any of the, uh, of the oh, road venues? Well, yeah, I like all my, like it's one of the cool things about working for MLB.com is that like literally every single city I go to, I have a coworker colleague who I get to, who I get to see if if it's on the NOS, I get to see him three times a year and, and like instantly we're on the same team and that's really cool. So right off the bat, I miss Steve and Ken and Maria and Thomas are four other NL West uh, reporters. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's different places I'll go and there's different, people to see even in the press box or the clubhouse attendance that like that that i mean it this year without any of that was i mean frankly it sucked and yeah. so let's get let's get to 2021 and let's hope that that we have a little bit more sense of normalcy and we can get back to get back i mean that we can get back to the things where like everyone's life feels 
feels feels good because you're doing the things that that they're I, I wonder if we'll appreciate maybe those moments a little bit more yeah it, it would it would be nice too because i you know i work in customer service and i'm in you know i wear a mask all day and i do walk around smelling my breath all day and it's just not pleasant and it can get really tedious every second having to have your mask on and you know talking to people and you know you're listening to people and it's what what or I'm screaming, or I have to do a lot of talking, and I'm talking through a you know very thick mask, um, and my horse, my voice is hoarse by the end of the day. But let's go I on. think it's maybe some feedback from that breath you were just talking about. <laughs> but we were talking about the, the the habit. So Angela and I were season ticket holders, and on top of actually going and watching the game, you know, we know the people that that scan our tickets we know them by name we know the ushers that are at the top of our row we know the guy at the end of the section that runs the beer cart his name is miguel he's a great guy he'll hook me up with some uh home run balls if i get there early uh you know it's it's the stuff like that that i i missed watching the actual game but i missed the whole process of going in and all the personalities that you come across along the way i think that's really what's missing most from mm. our human experience um, you know, more than anything. Yeah. I'm in. I agree with that 100%. And, and it's, it, and you don't realize how many people go into staging these events or, or behind the scenes that like you develop even passing relationship with that like something you're like this happens and you don't get to experience yeah. it. And, and, and knowing that, you know, they're struggling and they're, they need that money. And if sometimes it's a second job for some people, sometimes it's their seasonal full time job. And uh, it, it's just a crazy time. But let's continue with the effects of the crazy time. How did how did the Padres kind of view? Let's talk about the alternate site for a minute. Because how did the Padres view? Um, you know how you know how do you think they chose who got to the alternate site, and how do they view the development there with uh, with kind of it not being regularly played baseball games? That's I mean that's we're we're gonna see the effects of it. I think in twenty twenty one, like how did how was development stunted for players who who were maybe at some of the lower levels of the minor leagues um in some ways and and like we're not going to know the answer to this till guys start playing again but in some ways like Padres people are pretty excited that some of their younger more highly touted prospects got to face some legitimate major league competition and probably learned a few things from it but that being said like you're playing they're they're glorified scrimmages no matter how hard you you play the game and no matter how much the Padres make it a game like setting like it's a glorified scrimmage and you're playing the same people every day and so um i think we'll probably learn a little more about uh the way the way certain guys developed as the season yeah uh as, as the 2021 season holds because like someone like Mackenzie gore didn't get to face anyone but the hitters that were in the padres alternate site all season you know, kind of a flip side to that, though, there are some guys that are going to leapfrog a whole bunch of other people because you got, you know, Robert Hassel and Hudson Head and C.J. Abrams that some of them never haven't played a pro game yet. Some of them, you know, Abrams only got up to low A. I could see them starting the next year in double A with all the experience they got this year. Yeah, and obviously this is all contingent upon like how the season can start and how the spring training, how spring training is going to take place and how the Padres can evaluate where these guys are at, as opposed to some of the other guys in the organization who didn't get to play in spring training. So there's just so many question marks regarding that. But I, I, I would agree with you that the Padres are pretty confident that some of these guys who went to the alternate site, maybe, maybe not ahead of schedule because there is no schedule for anything like this, but guys who, who were on the younger end of who was there, like they're, the Padres are pretty ha- content with, 
with what they showed. Right, right. Well, you know, we caught a couple of games at uh, at Petco, and guys like Robert Hassel and C.J. Abrams were having highly quality at bats. Hudson Head, I, I think, had some really good at bats, and and Tuka Peter Marcano looked, you know, from like like seven hundred feet away <laughs> out there in deep center field. He looked like he belonged, or he was very close to belonging to a double A, if not, you know, triple A. Uh, well, just the way, uh, just the way the bats took, you know. And uh, I, I saw Hassel would have got a really, he would have got a hit if Fernando Tatis wasn't Fernando Tatis. He had a sharp drive up the middle, and you know, Taddy being Taddy took it away from him and threw him out. But you know, you, you could see there's a lot of potential there with 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 Hassel and with Head and C.J. Abrams. And it was obviously it was a shame to lose Gabriel Arias, but um, I liked what I saw there and. The pitching with Ryan Weathers, you know, and, and for a lesser, you know, traded guy with uh, Joey Cantillo, like they showed a lot because there was a lot of questions with with uh, Ryan Weathers uh, coming into this season, you know, beginning of the season with with the loss of velocity last year, um, obviously making it to the, um, you know, to the playoff team this year. What do you see? Where do you see him next year? Obviously, I, I, I I've seen tweets where he might be on, you know, the big league team. He should be in, in you know, in minor leagues. What do you think? I think a little, a, a little bit of it depends on like what else the Padres do this off season. Because I think as things stand, and you're you're drawing out a roster of who might be the guys. Well, he could he could be in contention for a rotation spot or a bullpen spot. But I'd also expect the Padres to add in both those areas. And I think Ryan Weathers, as as good as he looked in that. In, in that one appearance in the postseason and as good as he looked all throughout the alternate site could probably stand to uh, benefit from a little, little more seasoning. And so I think as things stand, he's, he's a guy where you, you would like to see him competing for a spot in spring training, whatever spring training looks like, but you probably understand that he's better suited in the minor leagues. And I think that's the way they feel about a lot of their, a lot of their young arms. And, and I'll go back to some of those other guys that, that, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think guys like, like CJ Abrams and Hudson Head are pushing for spots soon. But, but I mean, they, they impressed a lot of people at the alternate site as well. And so, you, I, I don't really know how you evaluate a season where X number of guys didn't get any game reps and X number of guys got game reps against major league quality competition. But I mean, at some point in February and March, they're going to have to sit down and devise who's going where. Yeah. So one thing I thought was interesting, um, a lot of the teams, so all of the, the alternate sites had the Hawkeye, um, the, the, the motion tracking equipment, and some of the teams opted in to share that information and some of the teams didn't. We're seeing, uh, for example, the Mariners at Fall Instructs, they were not only posting box scores from their scrimmages, but they were also posting max fastball velocities and max batted ball velocities. The Padres have been much more of a of a of a of a black box as far as all that's concerned. Uh, what's your take on that as a as a reporter who covers the team? <laughs> I don't love it, but I mean I, I understand it. I mean the Padres have always been that way, just generally speaking, trying to gain every single competitive edge they can gain through uh, through privacy. Even though in some cases I don't think there's that much of a competitive edge to be gained. That being said, like they want to keep their stuff internal they want to keep their game results and their and and who's who's doing what at the alternate site internal then that's i think that's that's up to them that's that's their prerogative they're more than welcome to do so so like as a reporter i can 
I can gripe about it, but like, what what is there really to gripe about? That's not actually. I mean, I can right. I, I can still ask questions, and I can st- and and we, we'll get firmer answers. I think in twenty twenty one once these guys develop, but um, it, it does make it I think for a little a little better engagement for your fan base when when they know who's doing what at the at the alternate site because I think in baseball especially like how your farm system is progressing and how certain guys in the farm are, are doing and how they might impact your big league roster in the future is a huge part of what being a fan is. And it's a huge part of what being a fan of, of a team that that's looking to the future is. And, and I w- will hopefully get back to something more, something that resembles more of what, what that should look like in 2021, but in 2020, <laughs> that was practically non-existent. Throw us a bone, AJ Casamel. Our, <laughs> throw us a bone, Padres. So speaking of throwing a bone, did you know, did you hear anything about Instructs, how that went, uh, what people saw, or what you heard? Yeah, not a whole lot. I think uh, it was mostly uh, it was mostly a chance to get some of these guys that hadn't that hadn't played yeah. a chance to play, and and I, I'm hesitant. And this is I, I really didn't get a whole lot of response on who did what at Instructs unless it was something kind of overwhelmingly positive, because I think the Padres are also a little hesitant to be like, well, I mean, if this guy struggled at Instructs after not playing for an entire season, well, then like, what, what are what are we going to read into that? What are we going to read into what Instructs is? And I think more than anything, it was just a chance to play baseball that that was yeah, useful and, and important for guys that that either didn't get a chance to play in in game settings or even in scrimmage settings. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and then it's, you want to keep that stuff close to your chest because you might want to trade some of these guys. And um, so my, my next question is, you know, major league baseball is allegedly going to release the 120 uh, teams uh, named for contraction tomorrow. Um, do you know anything about the coaching staff? Do you have any insight to where, you know, if, if Lake Elsinore turns into the a ball, you know, the, the short, the not short season, but the, you know, full season, low A and Fort Wayne turns into the high A. Will they keep the same coaching staff? Will they have different coaching staff? We know um, Doug Bockler was supposed to be the pitching coach for Lake Elsinore this year. He's been released. Um, do you know anything on, on that front? I, I don't know. I don't know the specifics of who will be coaching where, but what I can say is I think the Padres are for the most part, pretty comfortable with their minor league coaching staff. And so they'd like to like, regardless of, regardless of what ends up happening and who, which franchises end up playing where and at which level, like they, they like the coaching staff they have considering some of the talent they've produced lately. And so I think they'll make it work. I think a lot of those guys are flexible with where they go. And I think the Padres find a way to, to, to keep the guys that have helped them in the past and the guys that they counted on in 2020, who didn't get a chance to show what they could do in 2020 uh, to, to make it right and to do it again in 2021. Yeah, it's probably worth noting at this time, but we're talking on Tuesday afternoon and we understand tomorrow the memos are going to be sent out to the minor league organizations where we'll start to learn who's actually going to have their affiliates where. I don't even know what information is going to come out tomorrow, but as we sit here right now, we know nothing about who the Padres affiliates are actually going to be next year. Yeah. All right. So, so last, you know, the last year they brought up Luis Camposano, Jorge Ona, and Luis Patino. Obviously, those guys were rewarded for having great seasons at the alternate site. Um, do you know? Do you think Luis Patino is going to make the team? Even if you know, I know he's been told show up to you know battle for a job, 
But do you see uh, Luis Camposano or Luis Patino making the squad next year, and even Jorge Ona for for a uh, you know for a lesser shot? Yeah, I'll add the caveat that I think it's it, it again. It depends on like what else they add or who else they add. But to some extent, like that's also an indicator of how where the Padres view these guys. Like if they're going to add if they're going to add a catcher or if they're going to add a another starting pitcher, like maybe it means that those guys they aren't quite ready or at least the Padres want to make them earn that spot and so I think as things stand right now Luis Patino is in the rotation in the five guys like if you had to choose five guys from what they have right now I would pick him I would expect the Padres to add to that rotation mix so that Luis Patino so that they're putting Luis Patino right on that fringe so I don't think you, you don't want to block a guy like Luis Patino because his stuff's electric and he didn't have the command he didn't have he didn't have control or command in in 2020 but it was also in kind of a weird up and down setting and he was pitching in relief. And um, I like, I don't want to, I don't want to make excuses for him. And I know, and, and when we asked him, he, he didn't make excuses, but he, if you throw him into a more normal setting, maybe that command is there. And then maybe you get the full Luis Patino because otherwise he was excellent in 2020. And so the Padres just want to make that an option, have him as your, maybe fifth starter going into camp, maybe your sixth starter with a chance to move into that spot and make the guy earn it. And so I I think he, of those three guys you mentioned, uh, Luis Patino is, is probably the most likely major league guy. Uh, Luis Camposano obviously has, has legal trouble that he has to sort out first. And I'm not sure exactly where that goes, but on top of that, um, the Padres probably look to add a veteran catching option anyway because they're they're a little bit thin considering that francisco mejia hasn't taken the strides that that you want him to take and so um i i think and then jorge Oña is another another guy that it's just it's just it's useful to have a big time right-handed bat whether he opens the season on the bench or he opens the season in triple a like i'd expect him to, to yeah. if he continues to produce to be a part of the team and so all these guys are guys that you don't want to block their paths but you want to you don't want to give them the spot either. And so that's why I think the Padres are, as we speak, looking at options to to fill those voids on the major league roster while saying, hey, if you want the spot, earn it with your performance. Yeah. You know, I, I really felt that, I mean, the, the Patino's first, his debut just was heartbreaking, but it seemed that he did get better. I mean, what were you doing at 20 years old? At 20 years old, I was not pitching in the major leagues by any long shot. So there's all that pressure. And, he, I, I, you know, the baby rattlesnake kind of um, comes back to me when you, when you want to talk and describe Luis Patino. The venom is there. The talent is there. And he showed flashes of it. And he did improve every time he appeared. Um, but just not, like you said, just not there yet. And I can see this year kind of being one of those years where even with the down payroll, where you get the one year deals, you 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 sign that that pitcher that you know has a show me year, um, while you allow guys like McKenzie and Louise to either push for a spot or have time to develop and it not be so urgent when they're, like you said, brought to a place where they can succeed and not have the pressure of like, all right, you're the number five guy, go get him, stud, you know, and I think that gives us a better chance of success with those guys and allowing them to be better, you know. Yeah, I, I think Luis Patino, like when he was on in 2020, you, you saw it. You yeah. saw what he could look like. It's just a matter of getting him there. And that's really just a matter of him not walking guys, throwing strikes. And yeah. when, if he, if and when he does that, then, then so, he's then he is the prospect that we all thought he would be. 
Yeah. Well, it's probably important to to remember that he was a shortstop until pretty much the moment that they signed him. He's only been pitching for a handful of years when, compared to somebody like Gore, who's been who's been groomed since he was a little kid to to pitch. Uh, when he was in Fort Wayne, he was messing around with different leg kicks. So Patino is definitely still finishing his his development as a as a baseball player or as a, as a pitcher, I should say. Yeah, and he's I mean he's such a good athlete that you'd expect him to piece it like. Everything everything I've seen from Luis Patino tells me that he's going to be and everything that I've heard too from behind the scenes at the summer games and the and the alternate site tells me that he's gonna be that dude that we've been hearing about in 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 all these prospect rankings. Well that's fantastic. So with about twenty million dollars to improve the team, that's not a lot of money to, you know, to add the pieces to a team that's supposed to push for a playoff spot. Um where do you see them kind of allocating those resources and do you think it'll be a lot more in trade uh than spending the money yeah i think that number is probably flexible in terms of in terms of like what their options are and what aj preller can sell to ownership in terms of what the padres need i i i don't i don't know what the i, I don't know what the market looks like and so it's hard for even the padres to like get a, get a grasp on like what their payroll is going to be because some guys that might not have been available in a normal offseason might be more available because of the way I mean, we already have seen that with 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 some of the non tenders, some yeah. of the guys who may not have been otherwise. Um it it just it, it just looks different this offseason. So it's it's hard to say like where the Padres are going to spend their money when you have much of an idea what the money is gonna look like. That being said, I don't wanna I I I don't you there? Hey Roy, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I got you. Hey AJ, yeah. we we might have lost you there for a second. You there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, there yep. we go. So on the topic of money, um, Ron Fowler stepped down as executive chairman, and now Peter Seidler is in that chair. Do you think that that has any impact on on how the team's finances are run? Uh, do you think Preller might be able to get him to loosen up the purse strings a little bit more? I I really. I don't think much changes. It's it, like, that was the striking thing to me about that move was, I mean, usually when there's a change at the highest level of the organization at the, at the ownership level, like that changes a lot of things. But I, I think the way the Padres were set up, there's just so much continuity. I think the way you get, uh, the way you get ownership to loosen the purse strings a little bit is by, is by pointing out like, this is, this is the time to go for it. Like, I, and I don't think that would have made a difference whether it was Fowler or Seidler in charge. The Padres are, in 20, entering 2021 as contenders like the Padres didn't enter the 2020s they, they ended up being contenders but I don't think anyone would have called them contenders in February this is the, literally the first season the Padres are going into as contenders since who knows when at least a decade and so I I, I don't I think you, you still need to be smart in terms of where you spend that money you yeah. still need to on top of everything else you do this offseason you need to understand that you have the most exciting player in baseball and a generational talent at shortstop who you want to lock up long term and you need to keep the the funds available to do that like that should always be front and center of any signing or negotiation but i think there's like you can you can understand that and you can still go out and make some acquisitions that's fantastic so one of the uh, more significant changes that have happened since the end of the season, Glenn Hoffman is uh, stepping into more of a front office um, role. Similar, It sounds like similar to what Trevor's been doing for the team for yeah. a while. Um, do you have any feel for how the, the pieces might shuffle around to fill his role? 
Yeah, so I think, and this isn't, it's not finalized. And so the Padres have, like, even, I think even the Padres haven't 100% settled on this. But I think Bobby Dickerson moves into that that third base coaching role. He has some experience doing that in the past. And Skip Schumacher, essentially with, with Bobby Dickerson and Skip Schumacher last season, they had two bench coaches. And so now they go back to having one bench coach and Bobby Dickerson still fulfills his infield coaching duties and not a whole lot changes on that front. I think there might be some, maybe as a result, some reshuffling on the lower end of the coaching staff because the Padres have a, have one opening there, but it's, I I think there's, there's again, continuity on the coaching staff. And I think maybe one of the areas that, I mean, it was a short season and there were a lot of storylines and maybe the one area that, that like gets overlooked and what the Padres, uh, what the Padres did to have the success that they did this season was probably the, co- the coaching staff. They yeah. made a lot of really smart hires and put a lot of people in the right positions. And Jace Tingler gets a lot of the credit, but that the coaching staff around him should get a lot of the credit too. They were, they were excellent with this group. And I mean, I didn't get to see it firsthand because I'm not in the clubhouse every single day. Like it would have been in a different year, but from everything we heard from all those guys and from the results we saw on the field. Yeah. With with guys like Machado and Tatis and and the improvements that you saw in certain areas, the coaching staff did a fantastic job, and that's I think that might be something that gets a little bit overlooked in terms of the Padres' twenty twenty success. We know you said what what I hope more than anything is that they can keep Will Myers as happy as he was last year. (laughs) I've never seen him look so happy and relaxed, and he crushed it. And I'm looking forward to another year or two of that. Yeah, I I got that sense a hundred percent. I mean, he like. You go back to look at what Will Myers, where he was mentally and with his swing and, and in terms of all the things he kept trying to, to change and to tinker in 2017, 2018, 2019. It was like a different guy in 2020. And it was like the guy that when the Padres signed him to that extension, I think when they signed him to that extension in the 2016, 17 offseason, it was he, he was still making his his uh or at least low arbitration number salary for the like first few years. Like and then six or 10 the money. Yeah, then the money kicks in in uh, in 2020, and and Will Myers goes off, and so he's he like he was worth exactly what what you're paying him, and I, I like we spent all that time in the preseason about whether the Padres would trade for Mookie Betts, and obviously Mookie Betts is a superstar, uh, but that was all contingent upon like Will Myers wasn't good enough in right field, and as it turns out, Will Myers was plenty good enough in right field. Now it's a matter of, and this is always probably the issue with Myers, is having him maintain that that level of performance. Right. So for the record, Will Myers posted a higher OPS than Mookie Betts in 2020. There you go. Right. Well, so, so with that, is he now, is he trade bait or is he, which I don't see, or do you think he might be in the trading block where they're going to try to cut payroll and have someone else pick up that, the rest of that payroll? Or do you think we go with them? I think the most likely option is status quo. I mean, no, Will Myers has been talked to, talked about in trades for five years and, He's still the San Diego Padres right fielder, or yeah. well, he's still a San Diego Padre. He wasn't always the right fielder. We know how how many different <laughs> positions he played before that, but uh, but the, I I think that's the most likely option. Um, the Padres probably probably understand that that there would be some benefits to taking that salary off the books. Maybe most notably, like freeing up the money to pursue that extension for Tatis. Yeah, but also like if you trade Will Myers, you have probably like easily your third most important offensive player. Maybe like for, from no longer in right field, no longer like. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and you know to go back to with with Will, he gave Jamin easily all the praise. It was you know he came out and helped him with the swing and and keeping with his approach and his mental approach, 
And going back to Wayne Kirby and and Bobby Dickinson, that coaching staff, those guys weren't afraid to talk real with star players. You know, I loved what I saw on Twitter with, um, was it Bobby Dickinson telling Hosmer to get his head down? Get your face down. You're not that pretty. You know, or one of, one of my favorite moments was when uh, when Wayne Kirby called out. It was in the middle of a spring training game. They were doing an in game interview with Wayne Kirby, right? And there, and he was talking about it. He shouted out at Will, and Will jumped up and gave him a wave. I just, I, I love that interaction. Yeah, and that goes back to what I like. You got to get, you got to have the right players, and then you got to get the most out of those players. And the Padres, I think, got the most out of what they had in 2020. It's a matter of now maintaining that. All right, well, hey, so go ahead. what do you think the 2021 season is going to look like? I know we're there. They're talking about vaccines coming out and all this stuff. If you had a crystal ball on what you realistically think opening day is going to look like, do you think there's fans in the stands? Uh, what What's your feel? And I, I wish I had that crystal ball because I, it, it's just not, it, it's just impossible to predict right now. I, uh, we don't know. I, it, obviously you get a vaccine and you get enough people vaccinated and you can get back to normal. Like that's, that's ideal, but it's above my pay grade and it's, it's not within like what I can, it's not within what I can predict to say like yeah. this many people will be uh, capable of going to the games on opening day. Obviously like the, the number one thing I missed in 2020 uh, from, from baseball was, was, a, was a packed crowd, whether it's at Petco park or anywhere else, just that, that ballpark crowd. And so obviously that's what we all want, but uh, it, it, this virus is, I mean, it's, it's deadly it's real and it's not, it's not yeah. yet. It's not, it's not letting up. There's, there's no shortcuts here. Yeah. So if, if, if opening day isn't what we want it to be, but if, if we can, if we can get baseball back to where, to where it's somewhat normal by the midsummer, then great. If, if opening day is what we want it to be because, because things have progressed fast enough, then that's even better. But I, I've, I've learned by now to, to let the virus play by, it's play by little, its timeline rather <laughs> by what time by than by what timeline we want it to play by and so I, I it's it's just impossible to make that prediction right now God, thank you aj for saying that I, who else has not been screaming that let it's gonna <laughs> do what it's gonna do stop trying to force the issue so what do you think about having the dh in the national league next year I, well i would just like for there to be a firm answer and i know that that it it Right now, we don't have that, and teams are being told to proceed as though there might not be one because that's te- technically what's in the agreement right now. I've always been like I, I'm anti DH, but I also am anti two separate leagues that have different rules. Yeah. So I, I I would just I would just like for there to be clarity at the end of the day, and maybe that's just maybe that's my my job as a reporter that, as opposed to a fan. Like if, the fan in me would prefer that there's that there not be a designated hitter but the reporter in me just wants an answer so that that things can can get going in in the direction of how you build your roster and what the padres do next and what every team does next uh so I, that that's kind of my take on it all and it's, it's it's a pretty boring one i just 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 clarity that's well, all well you know and, and i should have gone back and listened to the uh, beyond the booth with you and jesse agler when i think it was in 2019 that you guys were talking about let's talk about the crazy rules that we want to see changed in in baseball and, and i I can't remember the ones you had, but they were pretty radical. But they seem kind of sensible as well. Yeah, I, I have some. I mean, if, if we we could sit down and maybe this is better served at Ale Smith, like over a couple beers. But I have I have a lot of ideas that are just that. They're just ideas. Yeah. They're like I don't know if they'll. I don't know if they're the answer to what 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 ails baseball or if they're 
if, if they'll make the game better. But I mean, I think probably my most famous one via Twitter is that I'm opposed to the infield fly rule. I would like to see it banned. Uh, I, I think it would make for a really, really exciting, like the pop-up. What is more boring than the pop-up? Like everyone just stands there and, and knows that the guy's going to catch it. It would turn one of the most boring plays in baseball all of a sudden to this crazy base running fiasco. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's, those are the types of ideas I, I think about when I'm, Traveling on the road, watching 130 baseball games. A year. <laughs> Ooh, I have an important question for you. Batting around, is it nine or ten? It, I think it's nine. I also think, uh, it, it, like this is not. It, it's like one of those is, is a hot dog a sandwich that never like. If you think it's a sandwich, great. If you don't think it's a sandwich, great. I say it's nine, and I'll write it in my stories, and and I will uh. make sure my editor don't, my editors don't take it out. But if you think it's ten. You're more than willing to, to put that in there. What do you guys say? Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that chance that we get to sit yeah. down and have a beer and discuss these things because I vehemently disagree with you on both counts. <laughs> and why isn't a hot dog called a taco? Because it's still the same kind of same concept. It's meat in the middle of breaded type, type thing. Well, I, my, I guess my is, is a circle is a circle around like you go all the, you go all the way around. It means you went from the start all the way to the finish. You got to complete that. Not, you got to like, you got to complete that circle. So you completed so the, it by all nine guys hitting. But the tenth batter has to step into the box. Right. Ah, you got to get back to where you started. Uh, I'll, but on the top, on the hot dog topic, I'll say this: a pop tart is a type of ravioli. <laughs> Dude, AJ, we do we appreciate sure. you? Sure. If you want it to be ravioli, it can be ravioli. <laughs> it's a fruit ravioli. It's a sweet ravioli. Who says raviolis have to be? You know pasta and sauce or whatever <laughs> hey dude we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on the podcast and um we hope you're not uh driving the little lady too crazy um i hope she's doing well and i hope everyone over at the aj castleville house is um safe uh doing well and we hope to see you you know we'll talk to you in the future yeah and let's yeah and ne- the next time i see you guys at a padre game it will make me i i, I will be very it'll make me very happy to see Every single person that I get to see on a normal basis that I didn't get to see in 2020. So, miss all you guys. We're doing well in the Castleville household. We just got a dog, Moose, and so I'm about to uh, about to go out and take him for a walk. And uh, yeah, right. so thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully catch up over over some beers at some point later in 2021. Thanks a lot, AJ.